We're continuing with our study of uh, love, what love is, uh, the biblical ideas of love. The purposes of this series, as I said uh, last week, are to help us see the ubiquity of love in the scriptures. Uh, William Vine, a New Testament scholar from a previous generation, said that love is the characteristic trait of Christianity. Interesting. And he was the guy who studied all of the biblical words, kind of put together this a book called An Exhaustive Study of Biblical Words, New Testament Words. Uh, so our purposes are to see the ubiquity of love in the scriptures, to uh, understand what biblical love is, to live in and under uh, the grace, God's grace of love, to uh, embrace our call to love other people, and specifically to live out together the first of our values and our kind of stated values little uh, deal. So uh, following the Lord Jesus, we strive to love all people unconditionally. Let's say that last little bit together. Love all people unconditionally. Bam, and there it is on the screen, sure enough. And honestly, uh, this is a massive undertaking. Four little words doesn't seem like that big of a deal. We ought to accomplish it. There's not a lot of brain surgery or science there, but it's a massive undertaking that none of us can do on our own or make much progress in, apart from the empowering of God's spirit and the help of God's grace and intention to actually do that, to love, and effort to do that. So all of those things working together, uh, God's, the empowering of God's spirit, the help of God's grace, uh, intention to do so, and some effort. And when we do those things, we can grow, we can live more and more into this value of ours, and in doing so, we will experience, I am confident, and I believe, and I have experienced, that we will see and experience the glory of God and the joy of the Lord. Amen? All right, so what is love? What is meant in the scriptures by love? After worship last Sunday, uh, I was mingling here in the sanctuary with some people, and one of the uh, people asked me, so what is love? What does the Bible say about love? How does the Bible define love? And it just sort of clicked on me that last Sunday, for the first time in this growing series on love, last Sunday, for the first time during my message, I didn't offer or provide or share a definition of love. So I'm going to try to make up for that this morning. Uh, with the scripture that we're going to look at. But first, a few things, big picture. Uh, there wasn't an authoritative, definitive source, either inside or outside of the Bible, where one could go or to which one could refer in the first century for definitions of ancient Greek words. It would be great now to be able to open up a first century copy of Webster's Dictionary and kind of go, all right, way back in the first century, here's the first century edition. What did it say about love? How did it define love? But such a book, such a dictionary didn't exist then, didn't exist now. And so the way that we know today what was meant by love then, which was more a biblical word than a word used out in their culture, was uh, simply looking at how it was used in history, partly in the scriptures, a little bit out in the culture, and then context after context after context, and we put together a description or a definition or the meaning today of what was meant and what they meant by this word love. Uh, you've heard the word, the noun for love that most often occurs in the New Testament is agape, which is spelled agape, which is weird. Uh, the verb is agapao, 
And so that's the word in the scriptures that we're talking about. And we find it in modern lexicons or dictionaries of Greek words. And all that together helps us kind of coalesce an understanding of love. Uh, during the last, uh, during some of the earlier messages, I, I put together some of those ideas and define love this way. I think it's up on the screen. Love in the scriptures, to be actively and selflessly committed to another person's well-being, regardless of the other person's worthiness and expecting nothing in return. That's a little verbose, but it kind of brings in a bunch of the biblical ideas. Let's go ahead and say that or read that together. Love, to be actively and selflessly committed to another person's well-being, regardless of the other person's worthiness and expecting nothing in return. And there are three things that I would add to that. First, love, as, uh, as it's used in the New Testament, is not primarily an emotion or a feeling, though love certainly involves and encapsulates or taps into all of our faculties. Love is not only or merely a cognitive exercise, though. Love is not cold. It is warm. It's not primarily emotions or feelings, romance, but it certainly includes those. Second, to love is different than to like. We are called to love people we don't like. There are a lot of people that we may not like, but the scriptures call us to have this perspective and to take this action toward them, nevertheless, to love them. And finally, love doesn't just happen, rather it's an act of the will continually in scriptures. It is a choice, as I said at the beginning, it is intention, it is something to be done consciously. Love doesn't happen accidentally. When I hear people talk about being in love out in the world, that is not what the scriptures are talking about. Teenagers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, uh, older people fall into love. In the Bible, you don't fall in love. You don't fall into love. It is something you volitionally choose at the prompting and the leading of God's spirit. One, two, three. This morning, we're going to read from the Apostle Paul's rounding out of those definitions even more. But first, let me pray one more time. Join me in prayer. God, help us uh, in our brief time together this morning in your word to uh, be enlightened, to grow in knowledge, to grow in faith, and to grow in love. Help us grow into the image and likeness of Jesus. Give us eyes that are good to see, ears that are good to hear, hearts that are fertile soil, minds that are after you and hungry for you, your way, and your kingdom. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate in any way from your word, may they be immediately forgotten. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last Sunday morning, we read in the Bible from the book we know as Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, also known as 1 Corinthians, also known in some contexts as 1 Corinthians, and specifically chapter 13. You may remember that in chapter 13, following chapter 12, where Paul talks about the many different gifts from God's spirit that God had given to people in the church in Corinth, Paul wrote that greater and more important than all of those gifts, spiritual gifts, charismata, and you know what many of those are, greater than all of those gifts, more important than all of those gifts was love. More important than all of the gifts of the Spirit in every way, Paul says, is, was, continues to be love, this thing we're talking about. So 
continuing from where we left off at the beginning of chapter 13 last week, I'm going to keep going. Uh, but first, I'm going to recap what we talked about briefly, the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. Listen closely. This is God's word. Paul wrote, if I speak in the tongues of men, and he's referencing the spiritual gift of tongues or speaking in foreign languages, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong, you remember that, or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Pretty extreme. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. That's verse three, one, two, three. And Paul continues in verse four with a passage of scripture that's most often read, you've most often heard it, at weddings. Though Paul was not thinking specifically about marriage when he was writing to the Corinthians, but rather about all of life in God's spirit and all of the relationships that a person in Christ might have. Marriage also, yes, but really far broader than that. Every one of our relationships, love. And in doing this, Paul adds to our understanding of the nature of love, of what love looks like, of what the true biblical love to which we are called is. Listen closely as we continue at verse four. This is God's word. Love is. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast. Love is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You may have uh, somewhere along the line in your life uh, been asked to stick your name in there. Try it. Mine doesn't fit very well. Let's say those together with your name, my name. Just the first verse, two verses. Shannon is patient. Shannon is kind. Shannon does not end. Yeah, it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. We need help. But in those first four verses, Paul shares in, uh, with the Corinthians 15 different aspects. In four little verses, 15 different aspects of love, what love looks like, how it is, what it is, what it means to love. And while each of those 15 aspects could be a message itself, and we would do a 15-week series uh, starting today, I'm going to take a pass on that. Just focus on the first today, which seems uneventful enough. Love is patient. Seems harmless. Can't do a lot of damage there. But to which part of me says, when I think about it, really? Really, that's the best you've got to say to the Corinthians about what love is, Paul. Really, that's where you start. Does love have to be patient? Is love inherently patient? Can't love sometimes be impatient? Anyone wish that was true? ever? Can't love sometimes be impatient like me? Can't love sometimes be in a hurry, on the move, with things to do, lots to accomplish, on the go, on a schedule that has to be kept? Can't love sort of include that, be a part of that? Apparently not. And yet, that is many of our lives. Not having time, ready to keep going, ready for this sermon to be done, ready to get on with the rest of your day, ready to get to snacks, here we go. 
what are some of the things, and I started thinking, what are some of the things that just drive me crazy and bring my impatience to the forefront? Uh, in the previous generation, it was trying to figure out how to program your VCR. Remember that? <laughs> Today, there are all sorts and manners of software, hardware, other things. What are some of the things that uh, your impatience is brought to the forefront through? Let's be honest, talk it out. Football season, okay. Traffic. Traffic? What? Children. Children. What? AT&T. 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 Uh, Helpline from the Philippines. Yep. Airlines. What's that? Airlines. Airlines. Right. Airlines. Right. Did you notice the word line is in that? Airlines. They're just getting longer and longer and longer and slower and slower and slower. What else? Friends getting ready? Yep. Parents getting ready? Children getting ready? Why are we late for church again? What others? Something doesn't work. Something doesn't work when things don't work and it just frustrates us. I'll tell you about something like that. Well, I'll tell you now. Uh, the reason we're kind of on plan C and have a projector there and we're in the dark is earlier this morning, uh, the projector blew up. The one that's above well, Jesus and the 12 guys above, way up there, and I was on a ladder 20 feet up trying to fix this, replace this complicated bulb. Like, how many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> well, one to hold the ladder, one to screw it in, and seven more to form a committee to decide how we're going to go about doing this. We didn't get the light bulb changed, but we tried and tried and tried and tried and just impatient with technology that wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, when and how. Not even supposed to, I mean, we followed the instructions, changed the really complex light bulb. No, still not working. Impatient, impatient. Stephen goes into MacGyver mode, pulls out the duct tape and everything else. This is not on the sermon manuscript. Starts passing around chewing gum. Everyone's chewing gum, trying to glue things together. <laughs> things don't work. Interestingly, though, the biblical idea and word for patient really doesn't have to do with things. It has to do with people being patient specifically with people. I get on the road during rush hour, not quite as much now uh, during the, even the latter parts of pandemic, but certainly sometimes still during the pandemic and all the time before. Get on the road and think to myself, why are all of these people on my road? Why are they on my highway? Why are they going so slow? Can anyone else relate? just me and the three honest ones among you. Get out of my way. I've got to get there now. Is that very loving? Am I loving my fellow drivers? Absolutely not. Nothing loving about my perspective or my heart or my intentions or my wishes for my fellow drivers. Or in Costco or Target or Safeway is the worst. To the clerk. Do you really have to call for a price check on that item? You've worked here for years. I know it. I've seen you here. To the customer whose items are currently being checked out, is that one slightly cracked egg, just so slightly cracked, really that big of a deal? Do we really need to send someone back to get another carton of eggs for you? Or to the checker person, do you really need to call your manager over for a cash register override? Really? They won't give you the keys to do that. To the person whose things are being checked out, do you really have that many coupons? Is that really possible? Are you really paying with a check, an old-fashioned? Do you really not have a pen with ink in it? 
which reminds me of a scene from one of my favorite movies, cue that now, one, two, three, Officer Judy and her sidekick, Nick the Fox, head into the DMV to help investigate or to seek help in investigating the case. Maybe you've seen this scene. Is it ready? Can we roll it? Dim the lights all the way. Well, I was hoping you could run a play for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine. T H D zero three. T H D zero three. H D zero three. D zero three. Zero three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No. Sure. What do you call? A three-humped camel. I don't know. What do you call a three-humped camel? Three-humped camel. Pregnant. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Ah, uh, uh, yes, uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please just focus on the text? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Priscilla. Oh, no. Yes. Flash. What <gasps> do no. you call a three humped camel? Uh, pregnant. Okay, great. We got it. Please. Humped. really isn't that bad anymore most of the, the time, time, unless you're trying to get an appointment. <laughs> but what an opportunity and a reminder when you go into the DMV or anywhere you're going to be in a line to be reminded to this God calls us, to see these people as human beings, to not think the world revolves around me and my schedule, going back to love. It doesn't have to do with the other person. It's what's going on in here. The biblical word, the old-fashioned word, King James Version translation in many of your Bibles, King James, is long-suffering, right? Instead of patience. Patience is the new word because we don't use long-suffering anymore. But to be patient sometimes means to suffer in a way and in a sort for a, what may only be moments or minutes, but seems like forever. But that means that God is at work in us. God can be at work in us. God wants to be at work in us. How do you feel when someone is patient with you? 
loved? How do you feel when someone is not patient with you? Like you're small, or you're judged, or you're incompetent, or you're insufficient, or you're not good, or you're not good enough for them, or you're not on their schedule. Again, how do you, f- you feel, we feel, I feel, when someone is patient with me? Loved. How do we feel when someone is not patient with us? Not loved, at least in my experience. And that should tell us a lot from our own experience about that to which God calls us. The scriptures talk about God being patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. What if we had the same perspective toward others that God has toward us? Which is sort of Jesus' whole deal. Love as you have been loved. Love as you want to be loved. Be merciful as your Father in heaven has had mercy on you. Be patient with other people as God has been patient with you, us. As it turns out, patience was probably very intentionally the first thing Paul mentioned to the Corinthians. You got wonderful gifts, spiritual gifts, charismata. You can do all of these wonderful things, but without love, they're nothing. You are nothing. You gain nothing. But bring in this thing called love, and at its very beginning is patience with one another, patience with those with whom you disagree, Patience with those who boast. Patience with those who think they're better than you are. Patience with those who are a drag on your life. Go through your life right now, the sort of the catalog of your life, and think of all the people in your life and the times with whom, with them, when you are impatient or they cause you to be impatient, right? It's their fault, what we're experiencing our anxiety level, our stress level, our blood pressure is somehow their fault, but not in the scriptures. Rather, God's spirit empowers people. And over and over, when you read the Bible and you will read it, see patients jump out all over the New Testament and often connected with love. When you think about buying a car and you've decided on the kind of car that you want to buy, oh, I'm going to get the Honda Accord. All of a sudden, every car out there is a Honda Accord, right? When we're attentive to the call in the scriptures to love with patience, and we're attentive to the gifting of God for that, we will see patience in the scripture everywhere. Jesus' patience with people, God's patience with us, a call to be patient with others. Last Sunday, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians 5, the produce, the byproducts of being filled with God's Spirit. And you remember we said the first and probably most important of those is love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. There it is, right near the top of the list. If you want to be filled with, if you are filled, if the Holy Spirit is in you and upon you, how do you know that? You will become an increasingly patient person. Absolutely. (sighs) 
John Mark Homer says, love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. And all three are incompatible with hurry. Incompatible with hurry. This is from a book that uh, the book club read not too long ago. We see this hurriedness in our life and the opposite of it is slowing down, not just in our calendar, but in our hearts so that we can be attentive to people however long and however late people cause us to be. Then and only then do we begin to love. And so one little exercise that you can do this coming week is when you feel like someone's pushing your buttons or getting under your skin or causing your blood pressure to go up, Say, I'm committed to this value of loving. I'm committed to doing what Jesus, I'm committed to loving my neighbors. I'm committed to the second half of the greatest commandment, to love my neighbor as myself. And so count and start counting. And count all the way up to the number 30. And so in that way, practice patience. Before I speak, before I act, before I write, before I text back, I'm gonna count to 30. For some of you, that's way too much. You're going to count to 10. For some of you, that's way too much. And just a big step is you're just going to count to five. For some of you, a big step might just be counting to three. But do it and say, all right, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I can make time in my day, my afternoon, my evening for that. Who are the people that God has called you to be patient with? Who are the people that God has called you to be patient with? And part of this may involve confession of the people with whom you haven't been patient. So again, I'll ask you, and if you uh, are willing or care or are so bold or honest to speak it out loud, go ahead. Who are the people close to you or not personally close to you, on the freeway or in your bed, with whom God is calling you to be patient. Co-workers. Co-workers. Customers. Neighbors. Siblings. Siblings, absolutely. (laughs) Siblings who share bedrooms. Who else? Myself. Yourself? Golfers on the golf course. Golfers on the golf course who have to just line up that putt just so. There's a lot of anger on golf courses if you've been out there for the slow golfers in front of you. Who else? Children. Children. Parents. Parents who are slowing down. Children who aren't stepping it up. We've all got those people. You've got those people in your life. Paul says, again, back to our stated value, if we're going to live this out, if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to strive, if we are going to love all people unconditionally, a lot of those people are going to require patience. It's not just a decision. It's not just a feeling but they're going, there's just no way around it. They're going to require you and me to be patient. 
God gives us this gift. It's a part of the fruit of his uh, spirit. And we must intend and there must be effort. We can do this. God can help. Love is patient. Let's pray. We confess, God, I do, and probably all of us here and online, anyone who's listening, confess our impatience. We want life and the world and the action around us to happen at our pace in ways that accommodate our schedules. Forgive us for being so self-centered in those ways. Help us to slow down where we need to slow down, to wait as you have waited for us, to love through and through regardless of circumstances. And in that way, may we be a part of the bringing about of your kingdom out there and around us. And in that way, may your kingdom come and may you reign in us, in our minds, in our hearts. Make us patient people. And in that, be glorified. Amen.